Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Have You Seen, the TV review podcast that tries to make sure you don't have to waste your time on shows that aren't worth the bother because we waste our time on them instead. It's hosted by me, Mariella Frostrup. And me, Peter Fincham. So Peter, I left you to go solo, as it were, uh, last week. You were unfaithful to me with Andy Harris. You talked at length about The Crown, so perhaps we don't need to go back there and instead could look... Well, not forward, really, but I have this week had to watch a bit of I'm a Celebrity because my daughter's obsessed by it. And I'm starting to think that they've flogged it half to death. Well, do you know, I mean, I think it's such an interesting subject with I'm a Celebrity because having been involved in it in the past, that sense of is this the year when it starts to kind of get a bit boring is quite a familiar feeling. I can tell you eight or ten years ago people were saying this. One thing that always used to make me laugh in its heyday was people would say when they were enjoying it, Ant and Deck are very funny this year. And I, I would always think, are you, are you saying they weren't very funny last year? Because they've been, a, if you like Enter Deck, they've been doing it brilliantly for the last 20 years. And if you don't, you won't. It feels incredibly bland and predictable now. And I think all of the challenges feel quite predictable. And Nigel Farage, bless him, wandering around with his shirt tucked into his trousers, pulled up half to his nipples, banging on about how he needs a challenge because you get 25% more viewing time. And then saying, I'm looking for, <laughs> what did he say? I'm looking for a wider, a new audience. But, you know, in a way, it highlighted for me that mercantile reasons yeah, yeah. that people go into well, the show now. Well, I think they have done for a long time, but I also I'm think... I'm not talking about the fee. You no, know, they've know. got another agenda, but the viewers will punish you for it. And so they punish Nigel Farage for, by not getting him to do the trials. And there is a long history... I love that, actually. I think yeah, the great so British I, so public get my thumbs up and vote. There's a long history of people who come in thinking, I'm going to go a long way in this. Often the very highly paid ones, Robert Kilroy Silk, about 10 years ago, first person voted out despite a very big fee because he was a politician who thought the public loved me. They turned out not to. No Lemons a few years ago, similarly, turned out the public didn't really like him. And I think Nigel Farage has taken a big gamble going to this because he thought I can only come out well. But I don't think the public like the fact that he's more or less admitted that there's an agenda here in his political ambitions. They don't want it to be used that way. And of course, what we also see as we watch it is that the other contestants don't know very much about his political ambitions. They think he might once have been prime minister. He's talking in a vacuum about political issues. That's not really what it's about. So I, 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 I mean, to go back to your first thing, is it becoming tired after 20 years, a hell of a run? So no shame if it was. I think too early to 
judge next year it might come roaring back and being a great one at this moment it doesn't seem like a great i'm a celebrity but you know it could erupt next week is also possible you know what the one good thing i'd say about it is that it is an example of how nice will out though of course that doesn't take into account the sort of people thinking that they're manipulating the system or whatever though i'm not sure that that ever works but, but I your was... daughter's a big fan which is very well, interesting I, I think she's been a big fan if this series carries on as as it is, this may be her last. This but may your be daughter, last you know, for ITV, whose average age of ITV One viewers is going to be over 60, to be capturing your daughter for three weeks during the crucial autumn commercial season and so on, you can see its value for them. Even it might be dwindling a little bit. I bet your daughter, Molly, who I don't know why I keep calling her daughter, let's call her by her name. I bet Molly doesn't watch that much ITV, but she watches I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. You're absolutely right. Spoken as a true TV executive. So shall we move on to what's actually on the show, having yes. reviewed something that isn't? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've and, gone... <laughs> and rudely left our guest out during that discussion. We've gone completely balmy. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the new series of Fargo, which has just dropped on Amazon. Squid Game's returned to Netflix, but this time as a reality show in Squid Game The Challenge. And we're going to see what we make of the new series of Rick and Morty. I'm delighted to say that I guest this week is the brilliant actress, comedian, presenter and writer Mel Gedrosh. Hello! Hello Mel! <laughs> Have you seen owes a particular debt to Mel as she was the guest on the pilot we made uh, oh, months and months and months and months ago. She convinced us and others that this would be a fun thing to do and that the odd listener or two might agree. What I'm saying is, if you hate the show, you should feel free to blame Mel as well as Mariella and me. All that having been said, Mel, it is a joy to have you back with us. How have you been? Ah, oh, really, really well. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me back, actually. I was worried that my performance in the pilot might have been, I don't know, a little bit below par. I was, I was worried. I was fretful. But here I am in the proper series. And that's unbelievable, unbelievable that you were worried because I actually phoned our erstwhile producer, Owen and Peter the next day. And I said, honestly, I think it'd be much better if it was Peter and Mel. <laughs> oh, stop it, Mariella. Is it not true, Peter? Let's say Mariella set a trap for Owen that he <laughs> realised almost immediately he shouldn't step into. And it was all fine. <laughs> and, and that's why we're still here and enjoying doing it. And very, very happy to have you back as a guest. We should talk about the new series of Fargo, which has just dropped. As dark as ever, a show that defies labels, so it says in the blurb. But I think we've decided to go for black comedy anthology. Everyone happy with that, Mel? Yeah, love that. Love that. I, I sort of... I haven't watched all the seasons of Fargo. I have to come clean. I saw the original film, loved the original film. I've dipped into the seasons. But I'm reliably informed that this season apparently is season five, is back to form. That's what everyone's saying. Is that right? Do you agree with that? I have to tell you both that I am a Fargo virgin. Wow. Oh, okay. yes, oh, yes. Just in case there's anyone out there like me who's a Fargo virgin. This series stars Juno Temple as Dot Lyon, a seemingly typical Midwestern housewife living in Scandia, love the name, in Minnesota. Mm. Dot isn't entirely what she seems, and as the series progresses, her mysterious past comes back to haunt her. And John Hamm pops up too, so what's not to like about that? As the first episode opens, we're met with what can only be described as a riot at the Fall Festival 
Planning Committee at Scandia Middle School. Dot manages to get herself arrested after taking the protection of her daughter, who was with her at the meeting, a little too far into her own hands. Ma'am, I'm sorry, could, um, could you... I'm worried about my daughter. We just saw her mama carted away in handcuffs. Well, you should have thought about that before you tased the officer. Should have thought, oh boy. I hope my daughter don't see her mama carted away in handcuffs. What's the world coming to is all I'm saying. Neighbor against neighbor. That, I agree with you there. We were just trying, me and my girl, to get out. School board meeting, my ASS. Even though that scene is from early on in the first episode, I think it really does capture the sort of offbeat darkness and and sheer weirdness, dare I say, that Fargo so revels in. Even the way Juno Temple delivers those lines is somehow just a little bit otherworldly. So what did we think? I'm going to start with Mel, actually. I really enjoyed it, actually. I wasn't convinced by the first scene that I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. I thought, okay, this is going to be super arch. This is kind of going to be a bit weird for weirdness's sake. Are we going to be just going down a whole rabbit hole of, you know, weirdy McWeird? But actually, by the end of the first episode, I was waiting, nay, gripping the remote control, and I went straight into two. So I've seen two episodes, actually. I love Juno Temple. You know she's British, Mel. She's, she Julie, she's Julian Temple's daughter, isn't yeah. she? One thing about Fargo is that it's based on the film, and I think it's that rare thing. I think at its best, it's as good or even better than the Coen Brothers film. And I think <gasps> sacrilege. That's, I have no, to stop I don't think you it there is sacrilege. and say, I think, oh, no, no, no. I do think it is, and I think it's an example of how the longer form of television allows. I mean, this is not by the Coen Brothers. But it's taken up by this guy, Noah Hawley, who has effectively been its creator and writer and director for television. And he's made it, you know, a huge bit of his life's work. Every series has a completely different group of characters and a completely different story. But it is linked tonally completely to the original film and in terms, and I think this is really important, of its location. It's set in Minnesota where they talk in this very peculiar way, the Minnesota accent, and it's this idea of Minnesota nice. These people, I can't do the accent so I'm not going to try, who talk in a really nice homely way to each other. Yeah. And then the secret source of it is that you mix that niceness with violence and really dark goings on and the Juno Temple character here, Dot Lion, perfectly encapsulates it. She looks as if butter wouldn't melt in her mouth. But in the first scene that we see her, she tasers a police officer. You mentioned the accents there. And I need mm. to I need to speak up because I was quite excited to see the woman I thought was Jennifer Jason Lee, but I wasn't quite sure because of the same way as the morning show as we talked about the other day. I think there's quite a bit of work gone on there and yeah, I wish yeah, actresses yeah. would stop doing that. But her accent has actually, I'm not the only person to have noticed that it is really strange. And I would even argue that they've gone OTT with Juno Temples because if you remember the brilliant Frances McDormand, you know, and obviously the Coen Brothers film was set in the same place. She had a Minnesota accent and it didn't sound like strangled cats. And so I think they've gone a bit comic strip um, 
with the accents. I think it is arch, actually. I think the whole thing is pretty arch, but I don't, I, I don't mind that. By the way, Jennifer Jason Lee, it seems to me as much about she draws in the way that Americans do, possibly because she can't actually move her lips very much I was, after well, all I was the work say, that you're referring no. to. So <laughs> no. it sort of comes out of the side of her mouth that still yeah. works. She but is a fantastic really, character. She is really good, isn't she's, she? She's, oh, she's a fantastic brilliant. character in it, I thought. She plays Juno Temple's mother-in-law. She seems to be pretty horrible to everybody, quite honestly, but particularly yeah. her daughter-in-law. And she has this rather extraordinary accent. You know, a plot summary, I think, would be very difficult because it sort of starts with that scene. I, that was actually my favourite scene, Mel, in the whole programme, was when all those parents were laying into each other <laughs> at the parents' meeting. Because I can tell you there's been quite a number of times when I felt like reacting like that. It's my fantasy. It's my total (laughs) fantasy to take somebody out with a taser at a PTA meeting. I say PTA meeting. (laughs) I never actually attended one when I was bringing up my kids. But, you know, the Christmas fair, the obligatory, all the chat, you know, all the good good stuff we do for schools, which, of course, is very, very important. But often there would be somebody that you would want to, you know, plough into in some way. But that's beside the point. But Noah Hawley, is he a sort of young'un? Is he a fanboy young and that's been obsessed with the Coen brothers? And this is his kind of his homage, obviously, to the Coen brothers, but done in a sort of I'm being a bit postmodern and arch about it. Or is he actually just a producer, a gnarly old producer that said, oh, this is this is a good idea for a money making franchise. Interesting point about the fanboy and should other people pick up franchises and, and kind of remake them. But, you know, this series has been nominated for 55 Emmys, apparently, uh, wow. since 2014. I think that often happens with programmes that people don't understand, so they think they ought to like them. Well, but they're complicated plots that require, but it all adds up. If I've got a misgiving about this new series, it's not at all about Juno Temple or Jennifer Jason Lee. I've got a misgiving about John Ham. I think kind of Ham by name, Ham by by nature here. He he hams up the part, which is vaguely similar, if you've seen it, and I know you have, Mariella, to the part that Kevin Cosner plays in uh, what's that thing, Yellowstone. In other oh, words, be still my beating heart. But John Ham plays the corrupt kind of he's put on a lot of weight for this part John Hamm yes. or maybe he put on a weight, lot of weight and then they gave him this role so I was obsessed with that I thought I was thinking gosh lucky chap he probably was told to eat loads of Ben and Jerry's that's what they do but but he's also doing that acting when you stick your tummy out a bit and walk in a way that says i'm now a fat person i'm allowed (laughs) to even say the word fat today which of course is so at odds with the sort of madman image of the you know the dashing john ham but i think he's a bit broad for it do you mean broad quite literally are you being fattest no i mean both i mean i think it's quite a broad performance the perf is broad and I think this tone that obviously the Cone brothers invented, which is this sort of sickly sweet people talking in this nice way and then really dark and indeed violent stuff going on is a wonderful thing, which I think is in this series, only two have gone out so far. I'm waiting for the third. It's Same. absolutely in good working order. Yeah. I will definitely watch another episode of it, but I, I, I'm afraid that I can't agree when you keep lumping it in with the Coen Brothers film because I think the Coen Brothers film was a thing of great artistic beauty and in fact I'm sure Frances McDormand won the Oscar for her performance or it was certainly nominated and I thought it was a brilliantly subtle and subversive 
movie about, as you say, these seemingly incredibly uh, workaday pedestrian people in Minnesota, but actually reveals them as having, you know, this sort of um, other life that is so much more compelling. And I think that the TV series, much as I will go back and watch another episode or two, because it was, I'm intrigued by it apart from anything else. I think that it just escalates everything in the way that telly does. It speeds it up, it escalates it. It's darkly subversive, boom, 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 boom. It didn't make much sense to me. I felt absolutely no investment in the characters, which is not how I felt watching the movie. And I don't mean to keep bringing in the movie because actually I would see them as two entirely different things. And I'm very happy to talk about the TV show separate to the film, but I can't have you bringing one of my all-time favourite films in in the same sentence. Okay. (laughs) Well, we're going to be on different pages here. I think the TV at its best is the equal of the film. And I would go, if I'm honest, particularly to the first two seasons, we haven't yet seen enough of this one. Yeah. But it's got off to a good start would be my personal summary. I really liked the scene where the two cops arrive at the hot tub and it is a bit over the top. Ham is in the hot tub of course, we see him fully naked from behind at some point. He's smoking a, <laughs> he's smoking a massive cigar. He's showing off the paunch that he's put on with the Ben and Jerry's. We don't know the details of that. But there was a really interesting conversation that they had between the differences between right and wrong and illegal and legal. And I just thought in a kind of post-Trump, or not even post-Trump, in a Trumpian America, I thought that was really, I was, I thought that was great, actually. The whole sort of fudging of what is truth, what's right, what's wrong. I thought that was really, really good, actually. That was the standout scene for me. I totally agree. I think that's where, you know, you thought, oh, this really is quite interesting, right? Yeah. I think at the end of episode one, I was hooked because I was, I won't give anything away, but but we find out something about John Hamm and Juno Temple. And I kind of thought, right, I'm in. I need to know what's happening here. And I need to know what's happened in the past. But I love her. I adore her. She is luminous and brilliant and on point and... I suppose anything she does, I'm going to be interested in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. She's got one of those faces, hasn't she? And one of those, you know, yeah, I mean, she's clearly an immense talent. Great to see Jennifer Jason Lee back. I haven't seen her in anything for ages. She's probably done loads of stuff that I just haven't seen. But I kind of think she's going to be doing loads of stuff after this, surely. Has she been in loads of stuff? She probably has. She's clearly going to dominate this narrative. She is a don't mess with me character writ large isn't she so we don't know where the story goes through here she'll be standing at the end of it won't she i think it's the most certainly she's the cockroach of the series isn't she (laughs) she's the survivor god she's marvelous though that draw that kind of real kind of draw wonderful very good impersonation of it, Mel. Quite bad, yeah. I thought, Finch, but bless you for that. They are dropping it on a weekly basis, slightly to my frustration, because I'd have binged it by now. So yeah. in about, is it eight or ten episodes? I mean, there's a long way to go. Maybe we yeah. should mention it again, you know, yes. when it's all over and yes. see, did it fulfil its promise or if you aren't so sure about it did it improve and so on and so forth we can only judge the two episodes that are up there at the moment I think that's a very good idea because it'll also remind me to go back to it because I'm afraid that now when things drop once a week I drift really that is a whole big subject of conversation isn't it yeah are we now in what do you think Mel are we in a, a streaming binging world or do we still like deferred pleasure from having to wait 
Yeah. Or something. Uh, <laughs> Mary, I'm not sure if that was about television, but Mary <laughs> made it perfectly clear that deferred pleasure is not something she believes in. Oh, Mariella, give me the deferred pleasure every time. Don't you love that thing of knowing that, you know, whatever it is, Sunday at eight o'clock is going to be your time just to nestle in your sofa in front of the telly and find out what happens next. I'm completely all about the deferred pleasure. I feel I feel dirty when I binge. I feel rubbish. I feel I don't know. I feel I've let myself down. I feel dirty when I binge and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, uh, I'm just going to open the window uh, so let the temperature down a little bit in here. The fifth series of Fargo is available on Amazon Prime. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Just as the television series of Fargo was based on the movie, the game show, Squid Game the Challenge, was based on the massively successful South Korean drama that took us all by surprise in 2021 on Netflix was a huge hit. And this is a reality show reimagining that. It hits lots of the same story points. It features no fewer than 456 players competing for a $4.56 million prize, the largest single cash prize in the game show history. It's an immersive show with players combined to a prison-style dormitory, sleeping on five bed-high bunk beds and surviving on rationed food. For every player eliminated, $10,000 is added to the prize fund. Happy to report that, unlike in the original series, when being eliminated results in players getting killed, in this version, elimination just means a die pack is exploded on the players' t-shirts. Some of the challenges are physical. In red light, green light, players have to make their way across the arena without being caught by the large, creepy, singing robot doll. Others, like the phone test, demand players use their cunning to stitch up their fellow competitors. I'm going to answer it. I'm going to answer it. Do you want to answer it? No! 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 Nothing! He's not here. Not him again. Oh, my God. Hello? Players, do not hang up this call until you... 
you are told to do so. I'm just genuinely surprised that he's picked it up twice. If he gets another hamburger, I'm gonna be mad. Player 198. Yes, sir. As a result of answering this call, you are now at risk of being eliminated. Shit. You must convince another player to pick up this call. They asked me. <laughs> when another player accepts the phone, they will be at risk of elimination. Oh. So it's launched. It's number one in 76 countries. Oh. Uh, Netflix has spent a lot of money on it, etc., etc. But what do we actually think of it? Mel, what do you think of Squid Game? So I didn't watch the original TV show. I am an absolute wuss when it comes to watching anything scary. My husband watched it and my youngest daughter watched it religiously. But as soon as I came into the room to join them to watch it, they just said, no, no, not for you, not for you. Honestly, it's not for you. This is going to really freak you out. This is going to give you terrible dreams for the rest of your life. So I never actually watched Squid Game when it came out as a drama. I love the music. I used to sort of like a child sit on, on the staircase sometimes and just listen to the wafts of the music coming out uh, because I wasn't allowed to watch it, which is sad because I am in my 50s, but I do get very, very scared even now of scary stuff. Anyway, I started to watch the reality show and my first reaction was, let the asteroid come and obliterate planet Earth. Is this what has happened to us? What the heck are these people doing in these tracksuits? They're all in these nylon tracksuits, which worried me for a start. I just thought they are going to be chilly. And they're in this hangar. I, th I thought, is it a leisure center? Is it a hangar? They're cold. They're sleeping in these horrible beds. The dormitory is sort of six bunks high. What are they eating? They're eating terrible food. There's not enough food. There's one person peeling carrots. That's not going to feed 400 people. The sinister doll really freaked me out. And I did have a bad dream about that. And that wasn't even from Squid Game itself. It was just from the reality show about Squid Game, which shows you my level of, of wussiness. Anyhow... Within 15 minutes, I was absolutely gripped. I was laughing because I thought it's ridiculous. But then I got emotional because there's a mother and son competing and I got really tied into their story. And I thought, oh, my God, this is awful. What if one of them gets obliterated and the other one's left? You know, all those questions. I, I got completely gripped. Then I started to think, oh, my God, what if I was producing this show? And then I started sweating, thinking this would be the worst show on earth to try and produce. Can you imagine producing? How many cameras are following that show? All those talking heads they have to do, all the technology has to work. I got very, very stressed, but then gripped again. So in answer to your question, hated it at first. I thought Earth must die. Humans have gone too far now, and then now I'm totally gripped, and I completely I watch the next episode. I'm in. I'm invested. Ridiculous behaviour. Totally uh, agree with Mel to a point, which is I did think also let the asteroid uh, obliterate us. I felt initially, at least, and I'm not sure that this feeling has gone away. That these were sort of desperate people, desperate for this money, who wouldn't be desperate for uh, yeah. whatever it is, uh, $4.56 yeah. $4. million. Um, 
and they were being exploited. That desperation yeah. was being exploited in a way that was only a step up from exploiting desperate people who were hungry. Or yeah. it just felt like so nihilistic and such a horrible look at humanity. And the whole ethos behind it feels like it's trying to bring out the worst in human beings, not the best in them. I think that there are some really great characters in there, and I love the mother and son. Oh, uh, the, the mother and son. But I thought the guy who sort of sat there and was interviewed and said, yeah, look, every time someone's eliminated, I just think about the money. It's just about the money. I just want the money. The whole thing seemed to be a highlighting experience of people's worst attributes. And yeah. I don't know if it's about where my head is at at the moment or something, but I felt, you mentioned being feeling unclean for binging. I felt sort of unclean witnessing people being put through this. I felt like I was actually watching the real Hunger Games to a point, and I hated those guys in yeah. the red suits with the faces yes. gone. So no humanity in the people Horrible. who are the, what would we describe them as, the sort of custodians of the of the yeah. Wardens, Red Games set? Something Wardens, like that. Wardens, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. prison, isn't it? Or they're, they're, or they're like a sort of a really sinister PE teacher, you know. Imagine the PE teacher from literally from hell. Wearing a balaclava. Yeah, yeah. Never seeing their face, yeah. But And then I was worrying about the washing. I was thinking, I mean, we used to get this on Bake Off. People would write in and say, why do people always wear the same clothes when we know that, you know, the episode is filmed over one or two or even three days? I was worrying about the state of the tracksuits. They're always in those tracksuits. How many days are they in there? How many, oh, oh, oh all that sort of stuff started to pile my mind. I bet none of that, I bet none of that uh, worried Peter. Well, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have that particular worry, but I I think I did watch it through a different lens than either of you because I did watch Squid Game, the drama series. Right. And I thought it was one of those very unlikely, rather weird, bleak, dystopian, but brilliant. It was brilliant. So watching this, I had the reaction of somebody who watched the drama series, which is to think, in what ways are they going to mess it up? And I've got to be honest, in no ways at all, I think. I but, think yeah. I, I'm not disagreeing with anything you've said about it's a bleak view of human nature, though I think there is sort of heart starting to come through. I've watched more than one episode. I'm further into it. But it's very bold as a piece of television. It's a game show. It's got no host. It does things that go against all television game show rules. You don't get to know the contestants at all at first. There's 456 of them. And yet, weirdly, it doesn't matter. They start killing them very quickly indeed. It's got some resemblance to a show that Ant and Deck made during my time at ITV called Red or Black. It was basically a roulette wheel, and it was all about red or black. And it had a vast number of contestants who were rapidly whittled down. They all were just there for the money. But it, it had a missing thing that is in Squid Game. They didn't need to show any skill at all. So the audience thought, these people don't deserve the money. And as you get further into Squid Game, the challenge, you realise it may be cunning skill because even at the end of the first episode, you have a very dramatic scene where they've all got to choose a symbol that they're going to have to try to create out of it. And they behave. I mean, the worst of human nature is on display. And then, spoiler alert, they all get eliminated because they can't agree on who will have which one. And it's at around this time that I start to think, as you've said, Mel, whatever your, if you like, moral sense of it, Oh, it's gripping. It's clever. It is gripping. And, it is and things clever. like the mother and son give it just enough heart for you to feel, I'm going to care about some contestants. Because yeah. I didn't care all the way through. I think it would be dead in the water. Absolutely. 
there are little kind of chinks of of light of redemption of redemption i think within the kind of the bleakness of it and also i have to say i was particularly traumatized as an insomniac uh, by uh, the sight the first sight of that bunk room because Awful. you know i can't go to sleep when i'm in a lovely room in my cozy bed curtains closed earplugs in eye mask the idea of being forced to sleep in that room with 300 other contestants you know on five birth bunks well that just tipped me over but the also edge the health and safety aspect of it because when when <laughs> oh. my children were little if i put them in a bunk room one of them went up top and one of went below i worried about the one up top falling yeah. off the ladder on the way yeah, down yeah, yeah. but five floors of bunks five floors up yeah if, if as you know does happen you need to go to the loo in the middle of the night and it's dark and they've turned off the lights yeah. you've got to climb down five floors of bunks that seems to me to be one of the most dangerous thing in the in the show and also but the level of emotion even in the first game you know, there's this one character, again, I don't know his name, he's just a number. He's got the gingery hair and he is cry- literally crying with relief when he gets through that first game. And you think, my goodness, I mean, the level of sort of anxiety amongst all the people is is just too much. Have you noticed that they can't stand still when they're in a queue? They're just hopping between one Aren't foot they, and the isn't other. Isn't that because they're it's, colder? Isn't that because it could of be, it could be the we've cold. learned about the hypothermia, no, so I wonder. I think I think that Mel's right. I think that actually that's the main reason. Oh, I mean, aside from the, the sort of dystopian, creepy nature of it, the main reason that I won't be watching it again is the level of anxiety. I feel like we already live in incredibly stressful, anxious times, and it just tipped me over the edge. I just mm. felt really, really uncomfortable with the whole thing. And maybe that's just me being a bad sport. The show represents kind of everything I hate about being a human, but nevertheless, those clever TV folk have blooming got me by the short and curlies. It's embarrassing, but it's true. I probably will watch till the end. Those clever TV folk, by the way, are Studio Lambert and The Garden, and they're both British production companies, although they are adapting a South Korean original idea for a very international audience, mainly American. So you got to say they've done well, those guys, I think. First five episodes of the show were released uh, internationally on 22nd of November. Uh, episodes six to nine will be released on the 29th of November. And then the final, so we're back to deferred pleasure here, guys. The final yes. is going to be, finale yes. is going to be released on December the 10th. So our third show this week, we've had a suggestion from a listener, actually, who some of you may recognise. Hi, Mariella and Peter. It's Richard Herring here from Rahalastapa, the top interview podcast currently on tour. Go to richardherring.com to find out where it's coming. I was wondering if you have seen the new series of Rick and Morty. Now, this used to be my absolute favourite show. I think the early series of the greatest sitcom of all time, maybe. It's certainly the best comedy of all time. Fantastic stuff. The last few series I haven't really enjoyed. This one's a bit more controversial as it has new voice actors added. Have you seen it? Have you seen it at all? Do you like it? Did you like it before? Do you still like it now? That's what I want to know. What do you think of Rick and Morty? Thanks very much. 
Well, we aim to please here at Have You Seen? So at Richard's suggestion, we've had a look at the new series of Rick and Morty. If you're new to the show, it's an animated science fiction sitcom that follows the misadventures of misanthropic mad scientist Rick and his wide-eyed grandson Morty. It's won a couple of Emmys and has even been the subject of a couch gag at the beginning of an episode of The Simpsons, all very pop will eat itself, or I suppose to others, the highest honour for any animated series. I think it's fair to say it's quite unlike anything else on telly. How is my son supposed to pass his classes? Let's go. If you keep dragging him off for high-concept sci-fi rigmarole. Oh, man, Rick. I smell that. That's the smell of adventure, Morty. You're a good kid. I'm going to accomplish great things, and you're going to be part of them. And you're going to keep your mouth shut about it, Morty. Park it right here, Morty, right here. Hey, Dad, where's Morty? He's busy. Your father is a horrible influence on our son. The distinctive male voice you heard there, voicing both Rick and Morty, was Justin Roiland, the co-creator and executive producer of the show and the main voice actor for each of its first six series. But the characters of Rick and Morty are now being voiced by new actors after Roiland was sacked following allegations of domestic abuse and sexual assault, allegations which, we should say, Roiland has denied. So there have been questions amongst fans as to how this hugely popular, if somewhat unlikely hit, would fare without him. Well, I'm going to put my cards on the table and say, I think that it exacerbated my ADHD tendencies. This feels like a visual and oral manifestation of what it's like to live in my head all too often. And I think that's probably what put me off it. But am I missing something? Uh, did you guys get it? Peter, I'm going to start with you just, oh, okay. just for fun. Well, I tell you, to, just to make a point about it, because it relates back to what we were just saying about Squid Game. Squid Game, the challenge, as we were just saying, is made by two British production companies. And we should all be pleased that the British seem to be very good at making that sort of thing, even though it's probably got its you know primary focus on an American audience. What I'm struck by watching Rick and Morty, and I've watched it occasionally over the years, just as I've watched The Simpsons over the years, and and South Park over the years, is that here is a genre which is the animated sitcom aimed at an adult audience full of scatological humour and sort of gross-out stuff, and definitely not to put your four-year-old child in front of. Here is a thing that only the Americans do. Why are they the only people who do it, and why do they do it so well and so consistently? And watching this new episode of the new series of Rick and Morty, I, I'm going to be completely honest, if you hadn't drawn my attention to the fact that we've got new voices for Rick and Morty. I wouldn't have even noticed that. What I was struck was that within its world, which is a weird world, it's sci-fi animated, it's a family thing really, it's about a family, it knows what it is, it's got good clever gags. I loved Hugh Jackman turning up as himself and being very funny as a sort of absurd version of himself in on the joke, which could be cringe and could be a bit sort of cosy cosy. And I thought he was really good. And I don't think Rick and Morty, any more than The Simpsons and The South Park, are part of my regular viewing life. But when I do, for whatever reason, watch an episode of any of them, I kind of admire the sheer imagination and consistency with which they're made. And I felt that about this episode of Rick and Morty. 
Mm. Oh, that's a hmm from Mel. Mm. I was just thinking, <laughs> I met Hugh Jackman once uh, backstage at a play that I was involved in and he came to see the play and he was so quiet, just so unbelievably really? quiet. So the opposite we, of his character in this. Oh, totally. We'd all, we all put on like loads of extra lip gloss because the word got round the cast that, oh, Hugh Jackman's in, Hugh Jackman's in. Oh my God. And there was one cast member who was obsessed with Hugh Jackman who put on like a kind of corset thing as well as extra lip gloss. We all bundled down to the dressing room where we knew that he was going to be. And he didn't say a word. I mean, literally, he was with a manager who sort of spoke for him. Can I just say, I've got a Hugh Jackman story as well. Do Come you want on. To tell it? It's going to be more interesting than mine. It's mine not, has no punchline. I promise no, mine it's was less dull. interesting. Mine was dull. Last summer, he was coming to London to make a movie. And right. he needed, or he and his wife wanted to rent a house to stay in. And Did they rent the shed? Did they rent <laughs> no, the shed? But they came to this house to have a look, and then they decided not to rent it. That's, why? that's so that's why my story's not as good as you. It's got no, no it punchline. I it's think they rented didn't they rent your next door neighbor's house? They may have done. I they think may they have did. done. <gasps> I don't know. I don't no, I don't think so. Because the reason we were given was that being Americans, although because ironically he's Australian, they will only rent a house that's fully air conditioned throughout. In other words, they, they don't know much about the British summer. Apparently they turned up and said, Where's the air conditioning? or Where's the air conditioning, mate? And because we do not have wall-to-wall air conditioning in our house, they refuse to rent it. I'm you should have put any them. air conditioning in the house. Mariella, you must have met Hugh Jackman. Have you met Hugh Jackman? You've got it. Have you got a Hugh Jackman? Come on. I have Mariella. met Hugh Jackman. Come on. I have met him. I've interviewed him. I've, I, I, he, was, he was neither quiet nor loud. He seemed pretty self-effacing, actually, which I always think is quite attractive in an actor because it's rare. Yes. But the thing that I loved most about him in this program... Uh, his brief cameo was the um, when they all went back to you know his man cave. Yes, um, there was a giant portrait of Hugh Jackman on the wall of Hugh Jackman's man cave of him naked, sort of looking sexily over his shoulder, casting a glance. And I just thought it was hilarious that that was in the background. No one mentioned it. It was just, just there. Slightly like the image of John Hamm in Fargo. I'm just doing this to show how carefully yes! we knit our programmes together because John yes! Hamm shows us his bottom in all its glory in Fargo and Hugh Jackman shows us a drawing of his bottom in Rick and Morty. In all yes. its glory, I have to say. In all I its glory. In all its glory. I'm, I'm afraid to say that that was not enough for me to make it something that I was interested in or would indeed go back to. I kind of thought, yeah, I've seen all the guest stars in cartoons before. Actors are obviously queuing up to do it because it's a way of making themselves look ridiculous and, oh, aren't we normal and we can laugh at ourselves. Sorry if I sound really jaded. I just thought, I just didn't get it. I didn't get Rick and Morty. I'm probably totally the wrong demographic for it. Uh, I I missed The Simpsons the whole time, pretty much as I was watching it. I kind of thought, oh, I want some, I want some quietness and some loveliness and some comfort. I, I found it abrasive, and I didn't find it that funny. There was, I think, there was a gag I laughed out loud at. I can't remember what it was. Something to do with the president of the United States being beamed in suddenly on a spaceship. But yeah, I just thought, meh, meh. 
Bleh. That's my review. I do think it's very interesting, that idea that it is only the American. Well, it's not only the Americans that make these anarchic um, animated series, but they have a particular genre of them that the Americans make. I mean, the Japanese make very much darker ones. And, you know, there's, there's all kinds of adult animation or anime around that, that comes from different parts of the world. We Brits don't do very much oh. of it at all. But I think that for me... I just am not that interested in American culture. Maybe that's the problem. And I'm also, I have to engage with characters. And like I said, it's so chaotic and so sort of out there that I just felt like it honestly was just a copy of the inside of my head and I had to switch it off. Yes, I think the only point I'm making is that the Americans have worked out a way of producing half-hour comedy on a kind of industrial scale and maybe it's because they pay the writers so well and they get writers in a room and say, give us a lot of gags and, and, and so on. And, you know, there's a lot going on visually in these cartoons as well, which is kind of brilliant. That doesn't mean it's quite for me. And I think there's a theme we're hitting on here that you've both said in this conversation, which is about you're looking for television that's, I don't know, reassuring or calming or whatever. And yeah, fair enough. Squid Game definitely isn't that. And these high energy, it's like they're on riddle in these comedies. You know, they come at you at very high pace. You need to be in a certain frame of mind or maybe a certain age dare I say it to watch them and yeah I felt I think bottom line that I I'd never seen Rick and Morty before but I'd heard about it from my nephews I've got loads of nephews and a lot of them are quite into it I sort of thought I was going to be watching something new like really new and to me it looked like the same I don't even know what the terminology is but the same drawing the same design as Family Guy and then trying yeah, to be yeah, Simpsons. Yeah, there's another one. Yep, yeah, 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 I agree. Trying to be Simpsons with the whole family set up and trying to be zany kind of with the sci-fi thing. And I just think it was a bit of a mess. I Sorry. think ultimately it's just not our thing. I sort of imagined, and, it, and I'm not trying to knit your program together here, but I did slightly imagine all the Squid Game uh, reality contestants at the end of the day... They've been in Squid Game reality show and they sit down to Rick and Morty. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I agree you could with be that, right. Actually. Maybe middle America. People, I don't know. Use, people so, who watch Tiger King watch Rick and Morty, I think. Yeah. I, maybe, middle American. Oh, who people. knows? I quite knows? like Tiger King. What are you saying? Well, I guess another uh, rabbit like hole Tiger we could King. disappear down <laughs> if we had time. Let's not go there. <laughs> we were discussing the new series of Rick and Morty, which is available on Amazon Prime. So thank you to Mel Gedroyk because we love having you on our show and you're a wonderful guest and uh, it's oh. been great to hear your insights about the program. To a degree, you've had to play the role of a referee and this and I feel, you know, we're grateful for you to do that as well. But it is sometimes <laughs> necessary with me and Mariella for, you know, yeah. that yeah. moment in the boxing match when they put the hand between you, push you back to the corner. Thank you so <laughs> much, Mel. A delight to have you back. Um, Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've, I, I wish it could go on. And if you want to hear more from the wonderful Mel Gedroch, she's returning in the fifth series, is it, Mel? Or is it the fourth it's the series? Fourth. It's well, the I'm fourth. dreaming ahead to the fifth series oh. of the wonderful panel show Unforgivable on UK TV next year. Is that fair to say? I think it is. I think it is next year, hopefully. Ooh. Fingers crossed. Well, we've recorded it, so hopefully it will go out. Thanks for listening and thanks to Mel, of course, for being such a brilliant guest. If you've enjoyed the show, please do follow Have You Seen wherever you get your podcast. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.